Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige film review. Today, we're talking about the 2004 film Sideways, a movie so popular, so powerful, it changed America's wine drinking habits. Sales of Merlot plum, plummeted 2%. Doesn't sound so bad when I <laughs> Not say drinking it. drinking any 2%. Merlot. <laughs> in North America, while Pinot Noir sales increased 16% in the Western United States. Uh, on the back of this film, this film was directed by Alexander Payne, who has directed some films I like, including Ale- uh, Election uh, and About Schmidt. Most recently, he was seen uh, pushing Matt Damon around in Downsizing. Uh, it's a screenplay written by Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor, who also worked uh, on Election with uh, Alexander Payne. It's the stars Paul Giamatti, Thomas Hayden Church. Uh, Paul Giamatti. We know Paul Giamatti. He's Giamatti, man. We did a whole Christmas special on him a couple years back. We did. Uh, check that out come come Christmas time. A very Giamatti Christmas. Actually, if you search for it, you probably watch it right now. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church, who is known for this, Spider-Man 3 and Wings. I think that's it. Yeah. I think. Uh, Virginia Madsen's been in a bunch of stuff, but I saw her first as the Princess Irulian in the old David Lynch Dune, and she winded up uh, here uh, as Paul Giamatti's Lover, in love interest certainly. Love interest Sandra O, oh, who, holy cow, is shot out of this movie in a fucking cannon with just crazy amounts of of sexual energy. Bringing the heat. Um, yeah. It also stars uh, Jessica H. Not really. Hecht. I, nah, I just want to talk about her scene. because she she's holiday she's Hollywood's perpetual ex girlfriend slash wife. <laughs> um, True. I don't know. I don't know why Central Casting loves casting this woman as uh, as the ex of, of the leading man, but they do. Um, it's based on the novel Sideways by Rex Pickett. I just discovered in research for this film that that's since become a trilogy, the Sideways trilogy with these characters. Um, You're not going to give any I, love to Mr. M.C. Ganey, huh? M.C. Ganey is, in, the, in the true standout scene of this entire movie. Who is this? Uh, you might not know him. He was in Lost. He he ends up playing one of the others uh, in Lost. Oh yeah, like, like one is of the, the guy the that big comes. Ones. Is he the truck, the, the tow truck driver that comes running out uh, with the big flop? And no kidding, really? He is. He absolutely is. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then well, he went see, on to I do didn't... Lost. So. Uh. Yeah. Well, you know what? Not was not Lost in this movie. His wiener. <laughs> I find it hilarious that he did also do a, the movie, the Tim Allen movie called Wild Hogs. I'm sure you see his dick in that too. I'm sure of it. <laughs> the wildest of hogs in this movie. For yeah, sure, for man. sure. For sure. Uh, that thing was sideways, up and down, <laughs> left, right, and center. Uh, so, Jim, I saw this movie pretty soon after it came out because uh, mm-hmm. I was starting to watch. I was starting to think for myself and I was starting to, to watch some quality movies. And this one, everybody is talking about it. And I remember really liking it, but really also judging the ever living fuck out of everyone in this film. And I thought, like, you know, oh, I've, I've yeah. mellowed a lot since 2004. I wonder. And I got through halfway just thinking, like, oh, maybe I was too hard on these people. No, this this is really some bottom the barrel human wreckage. Uh, just terrible, inexcusable conduct happened in this movie, but it's so much fun. Jim, what did you think of it? I was kind of the opposite because I, uh, when I saw it, I was young enough to where I didn't really give a shit about like, oh, what are these bad people doing? Uh, it's it's more like, is is this funny? Is this entertaining? Are the things that these people are doing entertaining? I'm more likely to judge characters in movies now than I was back then. 
But really? I, I love these characters so much. The, the movie is so entertaining. And you would think, it, it, I don't know, the reputation it has is being this movie about wine, right? And it's not not about that, but it's about oh yeah, way more than that. And it's, it's much more entertaining than that sounds. It's much funnier, much darker. Um, yeah, calling this a movie that like popularized wine and is about wine is doing it a disservice, I think. Yeah, those are also true, but like it says a lot about the human condition and, you know, loneliness and fraud syndrome. And, uh, and it's just hilarious. I mean, there are, it is. And it's 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 offensive is the wrong word, but it's got like. It's sensibilities are way more juvenile than you would expect from a movie about wine, right? That popularized wine in America. Yeah. And that's what I yeah, love this about is, it. This is a grown-up wedding crashers. It's, it's kind of a, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like a farce. This is like a Farley brothers, uh, film that is just really, really good. Um, you know, it, it, yeah. uh, instead of, uh, um, <laughs> bukkakiing its main character, it drops Bukowski fake quotes. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I was trying to go for something about Mary and the company. Anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah, what the so the, yeah, this movie if you have not seen it, and I imagine there's going to be a lot of people in our audience that were probably too young for this or weren't in a pr- place to appreciate it. I will say that I'm in like it it's wild to this have seen this as a young man and then come back and watch it in middle age because like it's a lot more I guess relatable. Like I mm-hmm. I thought like some of these situations would be a lot like crazier or hard or harder to relate to. But like, goddamn, the longer I live, the more like I've seen kind of shit like this in this movie go down and know people that have been in mixed up in the situations. And uh, again, it's not like I'm less judgy for it, but like. It's uh, it, it hits different when you're in your mid 40s watching this film than when you're in your like uh, or mid to late 20s, I think. Yeah, I think in my 20s, I was like, well, why the fuck doesn't he just snap out of it? Right. Just go go outside and, and right. Like smell the sunshine and then get off your ass and do something. Now I'm like, oh, no, I they, they do such a good job painting a picture of this character, uh, Miles, who's Paul Giamatti's character in this movie they it's so economical it's so like appropriately doled out through the movie um in times when you you really need to know like what is going through his head right they start off showing you he's a he's kind of a bum or whatever but then as the course of the movie continues you start to see glimpses into his life and that's all they are is just glimpses it doesn't come out and say this is why he's ended up in this state it just kind of builds a a story as it goes about the history of this character without doing flashbacks or anything. Um, and I ended up feeling some kind of sympathy for this character by the end of the movie when it, he's he's gone through. He's he's a shit. I mean, he's he's a shit through most of this movie. But I come to mm. an understanding of him and how he got there. And mm. I think that's like the magic of of this movie as it pertains to that character is how it tells us who this guy is and why. Because it does become very potentially relatable. Like, even if you haven't experienced any of the things that he's experienced, you still understand how you could get to where he is from there. Yeah, because, like, the thing that clicked for me that I didn't, I guess, grasp at 15 years ago whenever I saw this first is this is a movie that's very much about, like, addiction. Like, 
Uh-huh. Paul Giamatti is right on the like razor's edge of like allowing himself. I should say allow, but like, you know, of kind of wallowing of allowing yeah. like um, like depression and feelings of inadequacy and kind of like um, loneliness and isolation to push him into. And you can see this. It's a very um, like most of society would look at him and it's like, ah, oh, he's not an alcoholic. He's just, you know, really in the wine and he appreciates it. And he's not just like gulping it down, but like. I, I I think it was Ebert that said this is a story about a man who wakes up as a wine connoisseur and goes to bed a drunk every day. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. I think that's where like anytime where you've got a friend like pulling you aside, like, hey, man, I don't want you to drink to where you go to the dark place tonight. Um, When you got and that that's the thing that like, I think that, you know, when you say just snap out of it, he's found this coping mechanism that uh it's it's one of those things that's like oh, most addictions it works super well until it doesn't and, and it's, uh it's hardly even a coping mechanism it's more like a palace of excuses or a palace of like reasons why what he's doing is fine you know um for him to hide in because he is an alcoholic i think i think he goes over that line because he you know Jack talks of a Jack, which is uh, Thomas Hayden Church's character, talks all the time about how even back in college, there was sort of a dark side to him and that every time, you know, he goes out with him, this happens, right? He gets too drunk and he either passes out or he gets it goes too far with things. Um, and, And I think the idea that he like knows so much about wine and he appreciates wine in a way that no one else does around him is what is a license he gives himself to do this stuff, right? He's he's yeah. trying to say, well, this isn't unhealthy. This is respectable. This is yeah. something this is to be attained, something to be aspired to. Well, in reality, you're creating this this palace of excuses. Yeah. And they build it so great that, like, you know, you really appreciate how far he falls, you know. Um, like, there's this great scene of him drinking wine which is a significant bottle out of a styrofoam cup in just the most pathetic situation as possible. In a fast like, food restaurant. In, in right. And you like, yeah. like you're like, well, it's like, that's an interesting rock bottom, but like the movies painted such a picture of this guy that like, you understand it like uniquely for this character. Um, you know, this is like him in a back alley sucking dick for crack. Like mm-hmm. if it was crack, he was in, this is what he would, so that this is where he's kind of hit rock bottom. Um, and I think that's it's because it's also like um, you said, it's like, a, what was it? A palace of excuses. It's also his like eject button for whenever he is getting close to some kind of success or happiness. He can just yes. keep drinking until it goes wrong, you know, and, and then he'll blame it all on him, like having the two left feet and sticking them both in his mouth and not being good with women. But the fact is, like. Mm-hmm. Nah, man, it was cool until you got weird with it and started quoting Kierkegaard or whatever the fuck and, and weirding everybody out. Uh, the, so, the yeah. The movie also does a great job of framing everything through the lens of wine and, and like discussion about wine because that 61 Cheval Blanc, which I, I don't know shit all about wine, so... Right. Uh, I, I don't know. It's scandalous. Appa- from... Apparently it's it's a uh, it's it's a multi grape wine and half of it's Merlot. It, so I hear. Yeah. So <laughs> it, 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 a hilarious joke by the writers there. But uh-huh. it, this bottle is him. Right. I mean, they talk in the course of the movie about how this 61 is peaking. Right. It's just at its finest and it's threatening to tip over into 
undrinkability um, yeah. into worthlessness. And yeah. that describes him to a T. And, and there are times when he talks about the Pinot Noir grape. Um, oh, 100%. And he's, he's describing himself, right? How temperamental it is, how thin-skinned, how it needs so much attention and love and work. And then, only then can it flourish. And he's talking about himself in those scenes. So I, I really like how the wine uses, or the movie uses wine to frame these characters. It's really well written. Yeah, I mean, from the name sideways is, uh, refers to the way you, you, the preferred way you store a bottle to keep the cork moist, and uh, and also the, the, the idea of like getting drunk, like getting intoxicated is getting Being, sideways, get, right? Get, getting like you passing meaning. out, get hundred, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I I thought it was great. Um, I want to get into a big spoilery talk about it, but since I know this is. Um, uh, you probably you might have done this part of the research. Did this movie make it, or is this like a more of a critical darling? No, it made a ton of money. Um, Did it, it really? Wow! It had like a sixteen million dollar budget and made over a hundred. So wow, okay. Um, yeah. But still, I think fifteen, sixteen years later, that this might not be something that everyone's seen. So I just want to lay mm-hmm. out the plot. And uh, it's Paul Giamatti, uh, Thomas Hayden Church. These are best friends since freshman year of college when they were roommates. And Thomas Hayden Church is finally getting married. Uh, just as Paul Giamatti is working through still two years later, a painful divorce. Um, and, uh, these two men are kind of at a crossroads of their life and they're going to take a week long bachelor party trip up into the wine country in Sonoma County, I assume, uh, California and, uh, see the wineries, uh, and, uh, it's revealed partway through the movie that Thomas Hayden, Church has got an ulterior motive that he wants to get laid as much as possible before he puts on the old ball and chain, much to Paul Giamatti's horror and dismay. But like I said, like my experience of watching this was a continually shifting, like, who do I think is the bigger shit? Who do I think is the worst friend? <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, they, they both put their hat in the, the ring and mm-hmm. it's it's a buddy movie. There's uh, some romance in it when Sandra Oh and Virginia Madsen show up. Um, and let me tell you what. Um, I, I just recently watched um, Killing Eve and I'm like, yeah, Sandra Oh, boy, what a classy and attractive lady she is. She's pitching 105 mile an hour pits of fucking fastballs like I, I, I it's casting yeah. cast these two perfect women of being the ultimate like fuckable women for middle aged men. Ah. Source. I'm a middle-aged man. Well, no, I'm, I, I wasn't and, and immune back when I was 27, but now, holy hell, this is, yeah, this is, this is an oasis in a desert. I'm t- uh, these, these, I cannot believe how sexy Sandra O oh is in this movie. I, I'm a hundred percent not going to argue with you because yes, I mean, absolutely. You put her in like the crop top thing and holy shit, but it, it, obviously it's because she's riding a motorcycle. You love, you love motorcycles, right? I mean, she's doing all the Aaron tricks. She's got, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she's talking sexy. She's driving sexy. She's she's share, showing her midriff. Uh, yeah, she's, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, the first time she meets Thomas Hayden Church in the winery, and she's he's like, "Oh, you're you're naughty," because she's giving him big pours, I, and I she turns around, spanked, and goes, yeah. "Yeah, I need to be spanked," and then like kind of slaps her hip as she walks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I no, mean, she I knows what she's that. doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it's it's a it's a lot to deal. It's a lot to deal with. It's a full on assault when you're sitting there trying to watch a movie in the morning. Um, True. So, yeah, it's it's got a great cast. The physical chemistry between everybody is pretty good. The physical comedy. 
I just can't believe how good the timing of Giamatti and Thomas Hayden Church is. Some of the slapstick yeah. shit that they get up to. Again, it's like very firmly in the always sunny camp of like none. None of this stuff can be defended on a human level. No. But it's also a very kind of human movie, too, about mm-hmm. people that are imperfect and trying to find happiness and, and muddle through things. So for sure. Uh, yeah, that's our non-spoiler review. Let's get spoilery with it. I I want to say that, like, I really enjoy some basic filmmaker ass filmmaking, like the fact that this movie is bookended by knocking on doors. First, okay. it's like, you know, him awaking to the shameful realization he's drank too much and he's and he's letting his friends down. He's have to spin a web full of lies. And the last, you know, complete difference in body language and purpose. It's a instead of a knock of dread, it's a knock of hope. And I'm like, God damn, mm-hmm. that's a that's that's a great way to the to, to book in this film. And uh, I really appreciated that. Yeah. And what they do with those early scenes to paint a picture of this character is so good. Right. I mean, he's he's essentially the angry version of the dude. Uh, at the beginning, getting, you know, woken up abruptly and going out in his robe, annoyed by stuff. Um, but then over he's the like course a passive of the movie, aggressive Michael Douglas and falling down, like he's not yeah. going to go out and beat the shit out of a cashier for not giving him a correct change for something. But he will drive on a busy L.A. freeway while he's doing a crossword puzzle because right. he says he, he says something about his book that he's, he's writing early and on. Why? He says, I've stopped caring. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like his character's through line is I've just stopped caring. Yeah. Um, and he starts caring about his life late in the film. And um, but but yeah, and that not caring manifests in a lot of ways that are annoying. And like so many people have uh, experience with. Right. Like everybody's got the friend who fucking wakes up late and says, hey, yeah, I'm on my way out when they're already an hour late. And then stops to shower and shit and get a newspaper, read their book, read their stupid book. And and then they show up five hours late and you're like, what the hell? And they were like, traffic was bad. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. just just people who like don't respect themselves enough to respect other people. And then like. Lie about it to their faces that that really annoys me. Um, It's self-sabotage, though, right? Like, oh, yeah, that's what he does. The entire movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he gives people like he doesn't feel like he's worthy of love. So yeah, leads him to not caring about himself, which leads him not caring about other people. And it's just like, yeah, um, you you almost like at some a lot of points in this movie. I'm like, does Thomas Hayden Church and Paul Giamatti feel like authentic friends? Mm-hmm. Because there's so many points in this movie where it's like they almost don't know each other or like they are planning like fun events for themselves, but not for the other guy. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's, there's some kind of like where I, I kept on feeling like, like authentic friends that have been friends this long would have had some kind of blowout argument where they would have gotten somewhere. Or maybe this is the one that's finally, you know, uh, the one guy's a playboy, yeah. the other guy's happily married. And then 10, you know, I, I, I just, but like, there's something about their relationship. The chemistry works and papers over a lot, but on paper, like these guys are just so fucking different. Well, they are now. Know? And I, I try and think like, okay, what was Giamatti like in college? Right. I mean, he says he's always had a dark side and they're, you know, he's not like Mr. Outgoing, but also he's not, he's probably not like he is now. Right. Because the, yeah. the impression well, I he get, added to drink, he added to drinking to it, you know, he added like, the drinking. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because uh, maybe uh, 
I, I think the life that he had before this movie is one where he got married. His they they had a, a great time early on in their marriage, you know, talking about wine and traveling and drinking together. But it was a healthier relationship. And then his dad got sick, I think. Mm. And then he was taking care of his father, and that took a toll on him emotionally. And then that and led to drinking, which took a toll on his him and his wife emotionally. They split up, and now he's just wallowing for two years. So I get the impression that like he's on a downward trajectory over the last few years, but that maybe he was more likable and more yeah, uh, better friend sure. potential earlier on. It's amazing how you got all this. And I think it's a hundred percent right from it. It reminds me of that conversation we had at OTC this week where someone wrote in and it's like, you know, what do you think about these three season prestige shows versus like a three movie trilogy? Um, and this is this movie shows like how rich a character that you can paint yeah. by inference, you know, by the fact that this guy woke up with a hangover and destructively drinks and leaves uh, uh, drunk dials his ex full of passive aggressive shit passive aggressive it's like you you just by inference like they don't have to like we don't have to have a flashback and see him dealing you know if this was a if this was a miniseries on HBO we'd get an episode of him with his dad and him with his wife and we'd see it, but we don't need to because we get, we got it all. We got it all just in the margins yeah, through, through the book. I, the I think the book is like super telling, right? The stuff he's writing in the book. And it's just a couple of lines that he has where he describes the book naturally to Virginia Madsen. Um, yeah. It is almost cheating to have uh that's, that's a good Hollywood technique to have the writer as the main character. So he, he can always yeah. kind of like, self-deprecating refer to his novel that's kind of autobiographical and you you just fill in those little details there for sure and the energy in this movie reminds me a lot of adaptation um yes the the nick cage charlie kaufman movie uh yeah it's got a similar vibe the other thing they do that's really good that's so economical it's just like it's barely even a line it's like two words when he goes in and he like he's been abandoned by his friend because um, he's off banging uh, Sandra O oh, and he goes to the convenience store and he picks up the barely legal magazine. They <laughs> they use this moment to not only say is this this is a man who goes and buys porn magazines on vacation to jacket in the hotel room, but he wants the new one. He wants a new one, which tells me that not only does he do this once on vacation, he's a habitual buyer of it, and he knows that he's already read the previous one, right? Or read. <laughs> right? I mean, that's what they're saying. No, no, no. Give me the new one. Because otherwise, why God, the what, fuck do you care? What not having Pornhub on their phone does to an mf I mean, good Lord. All this, all this telling stuff. I, I just, <laughs> This is all the shit I worried about. As a young man, when I approached the teller with my money and right? DVD in hand, like, oh, my God, what are they thinking? Uh, shit, shit. Yeah, I'm glad, glad we got this stuff uh, right through our door now. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I also thought that, like, that's why I, I, I appreciate the, the, the fact that, like, I kept on flip flopping about because, like, you know, you're trying to I'm trying to keep score about the relationship and like, OK, who's being a bigger shit? Like, why is Paul Giamatti putting up with this? You know, what is you And they keep on giving details of like, you know, because like oh, Paul Giamatti is just judging the shit out of Thomas Hayden Church, you know, mm-hmm. stepping out on his fiance. But it, they reveal that he had an affair. 
They don't say anything about it except for it's so painful yeah. that like Paul Giamatti can't even have it like be confronted with it. But it kind of levels the fact that like, you know, it's kind of an act of love a little bit that Thomas Hayden Church has been putting up with this sanctimonious bullshit, knowing full yeah. well that he's got the trump card of like, look, dude, you were a total dick and became a drunk to your wife and then you cheated on her. And now and now you're fucking still hung up like he doesn't actually bring out the big guns. And when he does, it's kind of like a gentle kind of like I'm worried about you way. I thought that was yeah. that's why I'm saying, like, um, that's where I'm a little bit less judgy than it was before. Um, because I see the like underlying love. Like, I think it's despicable this game that he's running on Sandra. Oh, like, for you sure. know, on, you know, she's a little crazy for falling. Like, they're both crazy for falling in love this kind of quick, but like Thomas Hayden church is just spinning shit out of, but like, if you know, like, what do you do if you got a friend that like, you got a buddy like Tom, like, like that guy, what, what do you do? I, I with don't a know. Buddy, like, that's the thing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of shame, uh, in that too. And loyalty and like, Cause like, yeah, do you, do you tell this random person you don't know that he's getting married or do you just stick with your buddy and try and help him out? What's who, who are, who should you be loyal to? Should you just be loyal to right and wrong? Um, the ethical thing to do there. Like it's tough. There's a great, there's a great line when, uh, Virginia Madsen's Maya's character is haranguing. Uh, rightfully so. I shouldn't say haranguing. She's leveling devastating accusations of Paul Giamatti and his character and all that kind of stuff. And she's like, you ought to hear the stuff that he's been saying to her, mm-hmm. to, to Stephanie. And he's been saying, like, I love your kid. I want to move out here. Like, but we know that like this is something that he's already pitched straight up to Paul Giamatti's character. So yeah. he says something like, I'm sure he meant everything he said when he was saying it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the trick is like that. Thomas Hayden Church should not be getting married. I don't know why yeah. I'm incapable of saying this man's I can why because he's got three names. It's Jack. a spell. Like I, I can't call him Jack. Thomas or Hayden Church or just Church or Hayden. He's Jack. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um that that's the thing with Jack though, right? Is he should not be getting married. No. Like if there and I guess this is a the cheat code for all the men out in the audience. If 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 you even have a hint that you're not done fucking new women. <laughs> You shouldn't get married now. Like maybe that right. goes that you, you thought you were over with. And then the relationship's kind of doing this and who knows what and the sexes and like it can, you can come. but like if you're going into a marriage and you know for a fact that you're not done fucking new women, don't do it, man. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with fucking new women. You can do it as long as you want. <laughs> I, I think it yeah. gets a little boring and samey after a while, which is why I chose to get remarried. But like, do you <laughs> I, this guy just should be married. I agree. And he, you can tell he's definitely going through some kind of midlife crisis um, as much as that's a thing. Right. Um, there, there are several scenes where he talks about joining his new father, his father-in-law to be's uh, property business because, you know, maybe his career's not going, you know, he's getting older. He's not as handsome as he once was. He's landed a voice actor. Yeah. yeah he's becoming a voice instead of, uh, actual actor, whatever. Mm. I, I'm not trying to disparage voice actors, but you know, no, but there's a difference in like it's like uh, prestige, if, uh, certainly. Paul Giamatti writes ad copy, he's still a writer, sure. but he's not a published writer of a novel, you know. It's like, right it's, now, he's doing commercial work, right? So, right, right, yeah, there, there isn't uh, and he doesn't know what he wants, right? He's struggling with that transition from young, uh, hot playboy to 
losing yes. those gifts, losing those charms. Um, so yeah, I, I, I can also sympathize with that. I, I think, you know, as someone who's approaching 40 at this point, I definitely feel like I, I understand what he's feeling there. It's just the way he reacts to it is frustrating, I think, to Miles, right? Who sees, who is much more like straightforward in his approach to life. He, he's less of a flippity gibbet, right? Uh, Jack will just go off and do things without thinking about them and, and, and living a life full of emotion and passion. And then you got Miles on the other side who's too scared to live with any passion because what if that changes my life? He's he's the Pinot Noir, right? Dude, they seem like two halves of like a like a, a healthy individual. Like yeah. if you took a little bit of Jack's caution and uh, self awareness, and you mixed, or I'm sorry, uh, vice versa. If you took a little bit of miles of of caution and introspection, and you mixed it with Jack's natural charm and charisma and uh, outgoingness and and uh, resiliency, mm-hmm. you would have a hell of a guy. Yeah. Uh, but and like that's the thing but but they oh. put it into Virginia Madsen's character right mm. she's she's like the synthesis of both of these characters in a way that is healthy you can you can see cuz she's actually done the work she's even said i've spent 3 years moving on from this yes. bullshit and getting myself and i have no time for a guy who's got who's wearing his baggage on his sleeve yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's the difference. She hasn't wallowed. She's been working. She's been, you know, striving towards her uh, degree and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, she's you're right. She is. She is that kind of synthesis. Um, but like, that's the thing. It's like I, 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 it's hard for me to judge, like, who's the better friend, who's the worst friend, because like every time I think, Jesus, look at Thomas Hayden Church starting up with this shit. And, and it's like from a different place. Like you mentioned um, that he's out there and he's like feeling and doing things impulsively. Whereas miles like shelters himself and numbs himself. So he doesn't think about it to where just yeah. the sheer think thought of his wife moving on and getting remarried two years after the divorce. Like I get annoyed at Thomas Aiden church is Jack starting up his shit, but mm-hmm. Giamatti starting up his shit is him fairly grabbing a bottle out of a trunk, ripping the cork out with his teeth and running off like a demented monkey man <laughs> through the hills of California, like yeah. wrestling with, with this bottle. So he can just like drink it all and chuck it into a, a before he can even think about thinking about the fallout of his relationship with his wife. So it's like, right. That shit's not attractive to start up with too. So like, maybe they're kind of like made for each other. Uh, and they're both self-destructive in different ways, right? I mean, if Miles didn't have his friend here cleaning up his messes, I'm not sure that he would be getting married on Saturday. I, I definitely don't think he should be getting married on Saturday, oh, no. but he does. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then, yeah, yeah Giamatti, uh, you know, Miles is obviously self-destructive. Um, and that scene, right? Because I, I, I can't say enough that scene where they're chasing down the hill. Number one. I wonder if there's any scenes where they biff it because they're making a valiant effort. Two middle-aged dudes running downhill with bottles yeah. in their hands and shit like that. Like, is there any, like actively drinking with his eyes to the sky he as he's is. running, sprinting down this hill. Yeah. He's not looking at his feet. He's like, it's, it's fucking jazz is what they're playing in the scene. And the, 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 the pep talker, they're laying down of the law that uh, Jack gives miles uh, before the date where he's like, you know, you're going to, 
be nice and you're going to drink whatever's in front of you. If someone orders a bottle of Merlot and, and like, I, God, Giamatti, I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot. Like that's the hill he's going to die on is so fucking funny. Did you bring your Xanax? You're not allowed to go to the dark place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a shame because they have these great montages. There's a lot of great montages in this movie. This like montage of a date going very well. Yeah. Up until you see and you can see like uh, like even before we as an audience notice it, you can see Jack kind of significantly looking at this mm-hmm. next pour of like, oh, God, here it goes. And him like getting frustrated that he can't follow his thought through and, you know, maybe uh, shutting the slam the door real hard on Maya's fingers on his topic and mm-hmm. culminating in him excusing himself and, and just debasing himself with his ex-wife. Um I think it's because in that scene, this dinner party reminds him of the better times he had with Victoria, right? It could be. Yeah. Which comes like, back later when Jack says, look, they weren't all good times, right? You guys got divorced for a reason. That could be, that's something that I didn't get, but like, I can definitely see it in the analysis. Because he, like, he immediately goes, the last time I felt this comfortable and good and like this, I was with her and what is she doing now? And I heard yeah. she's married and I want to, yeah. Um, but it's all it's all it's all very sad and um it is that leads up to them you know going back to Sandra O's place and they're you know they're immediately starting to party and leaves them on the couch and there's this this is the Oscar speech where you mentioned Paul Giamatti describes himself as a Pinot Noir mm-hmm. and then Virginia Madsen says I bet you taste fucking good <laughs> and there's this like energy crackling through the air and yeah. Paul Giamatti goes in with like, uh, you know, I've also been into Rieslings lately and it's physically painful to watch a guy crater this hard. Dude. Dude, if Thomas Hayden Church was in that room, he would have lost his shit because yeah. the look she's giving him and the way he reacts to that look, he just he cowers away from it. Right. He doesn't mm-hmm. know how to. When someone is clearly interested in him, I mean, it couldn't be more clear that what is called for in this moment is romance. He yes. just shrivels up and shrivels up. I wonder what's going on in his head, whether he, he's scared, he's scared, he's drunk. He. Yeah, I'm I'm I was wondering that myself, because there's a couple points where, like, I wondered um, you know, so he misses the moment and then he excuses himself and he gives this vicious anti pep talk to himself about like what a loser yeah. he is. He spot, he comes out and his face is just pouring water and he tries to, and she's like, no, no, no. Um, what, what happened there was, did he just miss his moment and there was nothing he could have? Cause I, I felt like, um, you could have come back from the bathroom, maybe with a dry face and be like, you know what? Um, I haven't had a relationship since I got a divorce. It's been painful for me. And yeah. like, I, I do think you're cute and sexy and I'm, I'm, I just didn't know what to do back there. Maybe we can have another glass of wine and start again. But like, he wanted to like rewind right to where that, that chemistry was and just start with the passionate kiss. And she, you know, again, I, I can't yeah. stress the fact he comes out of his bathroom with his face sopping wet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a mess. It's not a good look. Um, no, it, it's it's a I feel like it is a master class in writing, though, because this these moments feel so natural, like the, yeah. the his his shrinking away from this clear come on him trying to reignite it in the most awkward, 
uh, way possible. And then her kind and gentle, but rejection of that. Yeah. And then we the time that there. they let it linger and his book and the phone call and him approaching her again, it all feels extremely natural. It just feels like this is a, a real life. Yeah. And th- this is where like at this point in the movie where I think I turn from like, well, this is cause like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I, I think it's, it's not good to, um, before you get married to somebody to go out and, you know, enjoy your last week of quote unquote freedom. I don't know what his, his fiance's understanding of this trip was and all that kind right. of stuff. But like, it's all kind of defensible until you get to where this next day where he has his day alone and he's kind of putting around and this wasn't part of the plan and he kind of little wallows, but then he gets picked up by Jack and it's Sandra O oh and her kid and her mom. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it just gets real. Like, like we can feel Paul Giamatti's discomfort with the situation, how kind of unreal it is. Like, God, look at all these adults going along with this. Um, uh, it's got the, the fucker hit into us where they, they, <laughs> they repel an invasion on the golf course. Um, yeah. And I then that's where Thomas Hayden church yeah. is goofy confident energy in this movie yeah Yeah, i haven't seen him in much i saw him in wings back in the 90s a bit but it was kind of too mature a show for me at the time right i don't know there's something about like his his goofiness but also you take him seriously right it's Mm -hmm. not just like he's a fool i i don't know i really enjoy him in this i they, they were thinking about casting george clooney in his role and then they they think, said, "Hey, he's too big a star. We want somebody a little less known." And I think I that shows think, a shocking. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think that's the right choice here. Um, I think Clooney is like, ext- you would have believed all the Playboy stuff with Clooney, a hundred percent. But there's some goofiness that Clooney wouldn't have brought to this that wouldn't have been the same. I don't know because I feel like maybe when did Oh Brother Where Art Thou come out? Oh, oh. yeah. There's goofiness there for sure. Because I, I think that I can understand why someone would say that. And Burn um, After Reading, he's kind of goofy in that, too. See, in t- this came out in 2000. So someone's saying that, like, I, I think that I could see George Clooney in this and he'd crush it. Now, he is a lot more famous. So, like, would people... But, For like, sure. also, I think George Clooney has a way of disappearing into the role. Yeah. Because, like, in Burn After Reading, like, I'm not thinking this is George Clooney. I'm thinking this is some kind of tightly Sex wound pervert. weirdo. Yeah. Sex pervert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not anything like Daniel Ocean, right? No. Um, that that kind of stuff. So I think he would have done a good job. It's just that Hayden Church, yeah, everybody's gangster until this guy comes running at you like a crazy Bigfoot mm-hmm. on the, the golf course and single handed repels your fucking white rich guy invasion. Mm-hmm. Um but that leads to the ultimate, like the good date montage that just keeps getting better and better and better and him and uh Maya see the, seal the deal, but that's also where he fucks up and lets on that uh, this he reveals the ruse, and that's where everything kind of goes to shit. Which was a good end because it comes out of nowhere, right? Like you'd almost forgotten that this is like yeah. a bad thing. This date is going, and the way the movie settles in, like it's like the one twenty mark. They they almost got like old married couple energy. They're so simpatico. Mm-hmm. It's like that could have been the first date or the 500. That could have been their, you know, first date or their 10th wedding anniversary or whatever, because they're just so comfortable with each other. The uh, the rupture in their relationship comes out of nowhere. And like, I feel like has you as an audience member kind of like staggering as well as it does 
the lead, which is incredibly effective. And I was also picturing her th- this date as like, oh, this must be the kind of date that he and Victoria went on back when they first got married, you know, or mm. were dating um, the, the happy times of their relationship. But you're, you're yeah, right. And, and that reveal is interesting to me because, you know, obviously he slips up and he tells her the truth about Jack uh, getting married on Saturday, which he's guilty by association here, right? Not telling her something. You're the kind of guy that would go along with a guy like this yes. and would hide and cover and be his wingman. Yeah. The shocking thing to me is he comes back and he talks with Jack, but he doesn't tell him that the jig is up here. He doesn't tell Jack. And, and this is not because he wants to mm. see Jack fail or or like, haha, this is going to be funny when it finally blows up. I think it's just cowardice. I think it's just like yes. he's hoping that if he doesn't tell Jack that this will all just not be an issue, you know, and it, rather than tell his friend that he fucked him. And, and to be fair, this is this. This is also the second time Sandra O oh gets shot out of a cannon, not sexually this time, just ferociously. I did not see oh, her yeah. showing up with a fucking bowling ball bag and beating the living fuck out of Jack. Yeah. Like, uh, that was was pretty hardcore. So like, but but you're you're exactly right. Paul Giamatti is completely conflict adverse mm-hmm. because. You know, this is and both of them are honestly both of them are un, unwilling to like because when Paul Giamatti is angry at uh, Jack's bullshit, um, justifiably, you, you notice that like he withdraws into this like. Kind of boozy Northern California surfer bro Zen bullshit like, mm-hmm. oh, man, you're just what what's worse with all the hostility, man? Why yeah. are you being so so angry right now? Like, don't you just need to chill and kind of reflect about like, like, no, fucker, you put him into some really bad positions. Uh, yeah. And through like no fault of his own, like he went, al- he went along with your bullshit because he's your best m- man and you emotionally black. But like you have fucked it up with him and this girl that he could have been really happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of like a lot of stakes and anger on both sides. And I, I, I think it worked, even though there's still the underlying affection, like that's what that that golf yeah. scene was about like the fact that like they're about ready to beat each other up but then an external conflict comes out and they instantly turn to face it right mm-hmm. um yeah. and that's and and jack is again like, and again in this movie jack is pushing him you know as as much as he is like potentially blowing up this relationship he's also pushing him into it and yeah i think miles is conflicted about that right he's both not super willing to engage on that level with a woman uh, at this point, but I do think it would ultimately be better for him. Um, but, but I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Jack pushing him into this, like essentially forcing him out on dates, these double dates with like this lie in the background. And it's, it's a lot to take in for a guy like miles at this point in his life. But yeah. also it's a kick in the pants too. It's it's the yeah. thing that eventually brings him to knock on her door at the end. So I don't fucking know, man. It's complicated. The other thing that Ebert said in his review that I thought was perceptive is like uh whenever you let an alcoholic plan something, like whatever it is on the surface underneath it's planning their drinking, you know, because they can't yeah, yeah like it's gonna 
Um, and I thought that that was, I got a little bit of like, this is Paul Giamatti's dream vacation, not really his buddy Jack's. And Jack, on the other hand, you know, uh, he wants to drag, they, they're both trying to drag each other on their ideal bachelor party weekend. Yeah. And there's a lot of friction because neither one of them can actually say that, you know, and when it is like when, uh, when Jack says like, Hey, I got to get my nut up here. Like the way he says like, Oh, now your cards are on the table. Like, come on. You've known this guy since college. Didn't you see right. this coming or like having this, hasn't this caused a blow up in your relationship before? Like, didn't you guys get this all worked out? Like I, but I don't know. This also launches in another hilarious sequence where because he's had his ex-wife has gotten remarried. He just got flamed out with uh, this girl that he had first moved on with the first person he's moved on with since this. Uh, he just got rejected for the final time by his publishing thing. And he goes to this shitty wine tasting place. Mm-hmm. And I love the soundtrack goes to like a medium dark place. <laughs> to represent the level of threat that a down on his luck Giamatti can pose to the public. Like right. this is an apocalypse now music. <laughs> this is like oceans 11 when Danny ocean gets nabbed by Andy Garcia. Like, mm-hmm. Oh no, what's going to happen? Is he going to get the pit? But the, it's, it's, it's oceans 11, not oceans getting pissed, going to get buried in fucking the sands right. of Las Vegas. Right? So, o- you know, oceans and good it's, fellas. Yeah. It's not, but they, but the, over this whole thing, there's this like medium danger music of him just like, you know, like like a cute version of Jaws in the water. And he sidles up to this guy and he's wanting he's like, oh, you know, this is a this is a winery, sir. Not a bore, uh, not a bar. And he's like, come the fuck <laughs> the way when he I had forgotten that he eventually winds up yes. and grabs the spit bucket. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh my and just god. Upends it over his face, mouth open. It's disgusting. This is yeah. this is the reason why. This and I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot and mm-hmm. MC Ganey running naked down the street and Thomas Hayden Church's ass plowing Sandra O oh in the hotel room. All of these slapstick <laughs> ridiculous comedic moments are the reason this is my favorite Giamatti movie. Cuz mm-hmm. in that moment I can't imagine a more perfect person to be on screen. I mean, the yeah, things he, he's doing he perfectly fit him as an actor, perfectly fit his character. It's it's a beautiful thing to behold. And and this is trying <laughs> it's, like the, in its disgusting glory. And this is what's brilliant about everyone all around this movie is that like I like my mind is desperately wanting to go into the always sunny where I'm like, well, you know, fuck all these people and I want to see them burn. But you never quite get there because of yeah. the warmth and the chemistry of the main actors, you know? Yes. Uh, maybe yeah. Thomas, maybe, maybe Jack needs to go get fucked. Because, no. again, yeah. like uh, there's so many things I forgot, like when he I forgot when he asked for the keys. Uh, like I, I didn't realize like halfway through that scene what was about to happen. Oh, um, okay. But when he's talking yeah. about put your seatbelt on, yeah, put your seatbelt on, and like, oh, it's like yeah, you know, and uh, then, then, then restaging it, and the car missing the tree. <laughs> right. Oh God, it's so funny, dude! It's so funny. It is. It's it's almost like a Coen Brothers movie in its comedy, uh, in a lot of ways. Oh, I, I forgot just, to mention that winery that he goes to is supposed to be like, you know, Franzia or whatever. Just some bullshit winery that that's right. mass produced swill, uh-huh. um, which I find extra hilarious when he dumps the literal swill uh, spittoon thing on him. 
that place mm-hmm. is called Frass Canyon. Frass, I guess, is a term for insect shit. Yeah. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, the worst of all names. It's a nice, nice, funny pu- uh, uh, pun there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing is, is, and then also like, uh, Jack continues to chase this, I don't know, degradation of himself. Like he's getting more and more desperate to maintain his virility and his masculinity. And now he's set up this conquest, this girl at a fucking Ryan steakhouse. Yeah. And like, I couldn't tell, like it was, he actually Dr. Sanders B on one life to live. Cause I, I, I remember when the scene where uh, Giamatti and his mom is talking, they talk about something. Like, he had a couple of high profile. Was that one of them or was yeah, he daytime was TV he... stuff? I, I think okay, it legitimately I, is. I wasn't sure if you're supposed to understand that he is trying to steal glory from another actor because he's got the like, oh, he's got to remember, you got to think of me without the ma- the face oh. mask and the shorter hair. He's he's pulling a he's pulling a better call Saul Kevin Costner play. Uh, and I wasn't sure if that's what I'm supposed to understand or he's but but like he does that and you know he gives a speech about like well, you just don't understand me the way I don't understand your relationship with wine you don't understand my relationship with poontang essentially mm-hmm. and the next scene you see he's knocking on the door completely buck naked <laughs> and uh-huh. i just love everything about this like jesus jack that was five clicks fuck fucking a was five <laughs> clicks and and giamatti's is because this is like this is why you keep i've got a friend that's not this bad but mm-hmm. he's kind of in this direction and yeah, half the reason i haven't broken up with him is because when he gets his comeuppance, he takes it naturally, like he takes it like a champ, you know, and like I get the laugh, like I, I told you this would happen, you stupid fucker. Now look at you. It's happened. <laughs> yeah. And when Giamatti and, loses his shit over the ostrich farm stuff. Oh, it's, it's so good. So good. It's so good. But then he hits him with the, but we got to go back. Uh-huh. And it's got, and then it's no longer funny anymore. And it's just such a, it's, it's such a great commentary on the two. Um, yeah, what do you think he learned? I, I mean, he goes through with this marriage and, and at one moment he is like, you know, not caring and talking about moving to wine country and being with Sandra. Oh, being with uh, shit, what's her Stephanie for the rest of his life. And then in the yeah. next moment, he's saying he's begging Miles to help him. I can't lose Christine. I, is that because he just lost Stephanie? Is that like, dude, you know, this his fallback guy. plan doesn't exist anymore. So now he's on to plan a again uh yeah i i i think you hit it on the money that he is getting to a phase where he can no longer afford the lifestyle that he has grown accustomed to and he needs to find old money fast true yeah and like if he can't like bohemian up with sandra O, um then he needs to the he he's got a yeah he he needs a place to stay, dude. Uh, I, I think it's it's just like that, and it's it's I think really it's telling that they take Miles's car on this trip and not his. I don't know that he yeah. owns the car because Miles' car is like a pretty shitty Sab, right? That mm-hmm. uh, like a like a high school, a junior high school English teacher could afford. Yeah, you know? like an old convertible, a nice car, well maintained, but the paint's been you know has Dirty. been better days, and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, where if if he if he had a nicer car, surely they'd take it, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. So I get the impression that like he's living on some kind of, you know, the the bit of acting work he does, and maybe like some stipend from Christine's family. Yeah. 
but he's he's a little boy and i i i think that honestly if uh, i'm sure in a sequel they probably get divorced right like there's no way he can keep it in his pants and he can no. still get it um Apparently. especially if he's willing to troll sizzler for for his latest conquest <laughs> right. so ryan's when they're grateful you know and they're grateful for it right. um but but that whole that whole plan like i i don't remember if we we talked about this in the pre pod or or we mentioned in the intro but i got to say this I think is the funniest scene. Yes. Like there is this particular thing where he's crawled down, approach. You're not sure. Like is, is this guy beating his wife because she's? But you turn out that like this is a whole couple. Well, so Jack convinces him to break into this guy's house and get the wallet that he accidentally left there in his haste to escape. Right. right? Because it's got this unique, expensive wedding rings. Like, how the hell do you keep wedding rings in a, in a wallet too? What yeah, kind of George Costanza shit is this? But <laughs> right, got a trapper keeper in his back pocket. But, so but he, he agrees. I don't know why, because he's got a tweaked ankle from him running five clicks naked. Yeah. And uh, he's he's going down there and then he decides for some reason to start crawling to be extra sneaky. And then he gets there and he's like, <laughs> this, this old dude is just railing this this sizzler waitress. And they're, they're talking about like how hot it was. And she picked up this dude. He sees the wallet. And it goes at like a tight shot of his pupils is darting back and forth between the wallet and the door and the wallet, and the door, because it's and in like, the room where they're banging. It's yeah. And then he the, the camera stays at his head and you just hear all the commo- commo- commotion of him running through the room. The guy's like, what the fuck? And then su- <laughs> suddenly you see this big ass tow truck driver hauling ass with his dick flopping everywhere. Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. I'm glad they had the balls. No pun intended to actually show that. Because it it just amplifies like that scene would have been funny on its own, but it amplifies everything about it. So this then goes into they get back, uh, you know, they stage the car accident. He gets, you know, uh, taken in by his mommy. Uh, they have the wedding. Uh, uh, he, he meets his ex-wife, Jessica Hecht, Hollywood's designated ex for all leading men. Mm-hmm. And he is is handling it well until she reveals that she's pregnant now. And that's some, for whatever reason, like Jesus Christ, at some point you got to get over this, you know, I don't see how you get like set up like, Oh, well she's, she's remarried. And then now she's having a baby. What the fuck? But whatever. Um, why? What about him going to the fast food place and drinking his prize bottle of 61 Chateau, whatever. Why is that the rock bottom? Is it is it only because his the the potential love of, of his life calls him and offers him a lifeline the next day, um, or do you think that he himself is like this is a bit much? Look at me. I don't know. I felt like it was a resignation. Um, hmm. There's something Virginia Madsen says about that bottle when they're in Sandro's place. Um, she says you essentially to the extent that the Pinot Noir is him, she's saying you are that bottle. You are peaking mm-hmm. right now and you're going to be a little bit less yummy tomorrow. And she says not only, you know, he was saving it for a 10th wedding anniversary and a special right. occasion to drink this bottle. She says right. the bottle itself is the occasion. And I, yes, I, th- there's something that's not altogether rock bottom about this scene to me because Look, I know I know he opens it because of his despair over his ex having a child, whatever. But also he's making an occasion here in in a certain kind of way. Right. He's opening the bottle. The occasion is maybe like something to be celebrated in and of itself. And 
then you see him like going to class and kind of going through the motions. It's not like it's not like he's gone further down. He's back where he was, but now he's had this bottle of wine. It, I don't know. I, I get like a not altogether uh, down note on that. I get a bit of a okay, yes, this is bottom, but the upswing is surely to come, right? Well, and Paul Diamati is doing a lot in that scene. Like, there's yeah. no dialogue, and it just seems kind of slowly pushing in on him, and it pans between him drinking out of a styrofoam cup and him pouring a bottle, and you see the and bottle it's not like he doesn't appreciate bottle. the wine either, right? He When he but, takes a sip, he's like, mm, damn, that's good. That's the thing. Like, I think that there, you're supposed to simultaneously see him like, God, of all the times I could have celebrated in the last two years and enjoyed this i am in this shame circle stuffing onion rings in my face drinking this out of uh you know we know how he he knows how to perfectly enjoy a wine and here he's 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 just it's just drinking out of a fucking styrofoam cup but still even with this less than perfect situation it still tastes pretty good right and i think he's like like you said when he's, he's teaching class he's going through the motions but he's like um, I, he's being reflective because number one, he picked a passage yeah. for it. Sound like it was like right for his like scripted right for his character, of course. But like he's not um he's not like overcome by grief. It feels like a guy who is starting to figure things out and coming or coming to a new appreciation of himself because that's just you can't. No one else can love you until you love yourself, right? right? I believe that in my bones. Right. Um, you can trick someone into loving you and getting a relationship with you, but it's going to go fucking pear shaped unless you can learn to 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 love yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what you're supposed to understand is like he is that bottle of water. His life right now is the styrofoam cup. Yeah. But even the, he's still got things to offer. And as long as he doesn't get too fucking drunk, it, uh, I, I, yeah, I think he's, and the bottle isn't this is all just prime. a performance. No, no. Yeah. And why wait another day? Yeah. Why wait another day to like, I think it's like, uh, cause when, um, isn't he say something like he's going to try to start writing another book or I, I, but, but or I maybe like the, or maybe not whatever yeah, yeah. What he says. he's no longer trying to chase something and like thinking what his life might be it's more of like i'm ready to start living my life as it is mm-hmm. um and get over the bitterness the regret all that shit because why yeah. would i let my bottle go bad you right. know that's it's for for no good reason someone should drink it yeah I don't know. So, um, yeah, it is a rock bottom, but it's also where do you go from rock bottom? There's nowhere else yeah. but up. Yeah. Uh, and then I thought the, the again, the ending in the movie, uh, you know, Virginia Collin and she's read his book. Um, right. I got Maya Collins. She's read his book and uh, really gives him appreciation for like his life and, you know, how he feels and um, kind of invites him back up. And that's the, the final scene is him dressed up uh, with a spring in his step. Mm-hmm. knocking on her door. Um, like I said, really nicely bookended with the beginning of the movie. I'm, I'm glad like, uh, I don't know how we picked this movie. Like the, the way we do this is we get this master spreadsheet. We built up of like Oscar winners and the top 10 grosses and things that we, like, we go through each year and like pick out our personal favorites and stuff that we haven't seen. And we put on this big spreadsheet. And when we pick something out, out, we go and like kind of randomly s- select a number and we but like we were going through and uh, we're like, yeah, sideways. That's something we we and and uh, I haven't seen it in about 15 years. And oh, it's wow. just if, if it's if it's been a while, uh, 
highly recommend highly recommend sideways it really holds up it says a lot it's hilarious yeah um the one thing i will say is that this movie turned about 10 percent of the adult male population into insufferable douchebags at restaurants mm-hmm uh, and it was it terminally affected uh, all of the elder body at my congregation, which right. I thought was interesting since this is a rated R movie and ostensibly none of them should have seen it. Right. But suddenly they're all sticking their nose into the wine glass and they're all talking about the weak tannins and the overcompensating oak. And interesting, interesting that, you know, all this wine knowledge, brother, so and so in 2004. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Sideways was R, but maybe it's PG thirteen. Maybe you saw it on a maybe you saw a TV edit. Yeah, that's the sure. Ticket. But but seriously, like you are a giant douchebag if you've seen Sideways and you ape that shit because like I, I saw something interesting that uh, in Paul Giamatti interview, they're like you must have learned a lot about wine for this role. He's like I don't know shit. Yeah. Like I read that line in the script. I it's baffling to me. This whole culture is baffling. I don't understand it. Like <laughs> I love it, that. That's great. Yeah. Like you sound like an idiot because Paul Giamatti is apparently not that smart when it comes to wine. That's fine. That's fine. That's what acting's about. Convincing us that you are smart about wine, even if you're not. Yeah. yeah. Uh I will say I'm disappointed in the Academy because Paul Giamatti one of the few actors in this movie not to get even a nomination for his performance, mm. even though I think he's the best thing about this movie, uh, followed closely by Thomas Hayden Church, Virginia Madsen, Sandra Oh, all great, but they got nominated. Thomas Hayden Church got nominated as best uh, supporting actor. Uh, best supporting actress, Virginia Madsen, got nominated. I don't know what it is they didn't like about Paul Giamatti's. Is it simply because he's not acting? He really is just a schlub. <laughs> In this movie and in real life, is it like, oh, the role was too close to Paul Giamatti's natural? Dude, uh, I don't know because because Clint Eastwood won for best. No, he didn't. He no. got a nomination. Yeah, yeah. And Clint Eastwood, like he directed Million Dollar Baby, but he's just Clint Eastwood yeah. in this movie. Uh, That's like, the thing. It, and maybe that's the thing. It's like they didn't like a character actor playing a leading man. Like that's a, what like that isn't that the difference between a character actor and a leading man? You pay, you pay a leading man to show up and be himself. You pay a character actor to disappear into a role. Kind of. Um, yeah. But like, I think it is high comedy that both of the supporting actors got nominations and deservedly so. Mm-hmm. But the lead guy they're playing off of. Nah, nah. Um, especially since. I don't know. Like Jamie Foxx won it as best actor. And I know that the, the Academy loves like biopics and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Depp in Finding Neverland, that's not that's that Paul Giamatti's better than that. Yeah. Um, and I think he's better than and Clint Eastwood. I do like Leo and the Aviator and Don Cheadle and R- uh, Hotel Rwanda. But like, yeah, I it's crazy. And I know that this, this is back in the era where they had a hard set, like five slots and they wouldn't go higher no yeah. matter how stacked the year was. So that's stupid. It did yeah, it's win. Dumb that Paul Giamatti didn't get it on. Yeah, I, I agree. It's dumb. Uh, it did win, though, the nom- or it got nominated and won for best adapted screenplay. So that's something. Um, and I think it is extremely strong. I, I don't know what it was up against, but Million Dollar Baby like cleaned up on most most it categories did. that year it did everybody's amazed at clint eastwood making movies at I, 90 or whatever right i like million dollar baby yeah, i do i do, I do. 
Um, it's just like I don't think uh, the the performances stack up as as much. Hillary Swank with the being the exception there. Yeah. Um, but it's we yeah like so this thing got nominated for best picture, best director, best supporting actor, best supporting actress. Uh, what other shit did it get? Um, God, uh, the end of the year, the Eternal Sunshine came out too. This was a loaded fucking year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, best director, and again the 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 lead in the film doesn't make it when there was a couple weak slots where he I think he should have mm-hmm. but that's why all these award shows are kind of a sham uh, and 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 don't don't mean a lot including ours Inclu- especially ours we, we yeah. make sure everyone knows that at the beginning of every fucking uh, you know we offer as much transparency into how terrible it is as you can get uh, what else we got to talk about sideways we're about ready to get upright no there's some meta stuff I need to talk about first of all there Please. was like you talked about the douchebags who started imitating Paul Giamatti after this movie uh, with their mm-hmm. wine snobbery. Did you know that there was a sideways wine club for a while, like licensed by not. Fox Searchlight Pictures? No shit. Yeah, similar like to the way like the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company got licensed out. This got licensed huh. out too. I thought you were saying like, like they would mail you like a crate of wine I think or a so, bottle yeah. of wine. Is that the way it worked? Okay. Or it's like, was there, yeah. Huh. I try to find information on it and there is scant little information out there. And there's, I'm surprised that they ever rolled it up. It seems like wine is just as, although right. didn't beer kind of dethrone wine for a long time and for the like the drinking snobbery of choice. Aughts, yeah. It feels like it still is, but maybe that's because I, I changed my drinking culture. I don't know. I don't know. I drink what I like, not what, is popular <laughs> so uh, i have gotten into wine more lately in the past couple mm-hmm. of years but not so much the other thing i found interesting is paul giamatti's uh parentage did we talk mm-hmm. about this on the podcast i think it was before i don't the think so i think we did this this is pre pre-show banter I, I i do wonder how a guy like paul giamatti gets into hollywood because like let's make no bones right he's a schlubby looking dude he's not like movie star material i guess some roles call for schlubby looking dudes like this one Mm -hmm. but how does a guy like that break into hollywood well i don't know if it was all natural talent and and charisma and hard work his dad turns out was both professor and and at one time president of yale university which i assume paul giamatti was you know going to ivy league schools and he did he went to he graduated for, with a ba and master of fine arts degree from yale okay not surprising uh, and mm-hmm. then also his his father was the commissioner of major league baseball for a while yeah seventh commissioner wild so you know wow. he's got uh there's a lot of potential nepotism with the people he probably met yeah, no, I uh, that's the thing. It's like you look up uh, people in Hollywood and it's astounding people in Hollywood, people in recording uh, any kind of artist. It's astounding how often their parents have Wikipedia articles because right. it turns out it's really hard to be a pure artist in today's world. You know, when you're working two jobs and trying to raise kids like you need a lot of help and you need a lot of, uh, uh, you know, trust fund type energy to just really dedicate yourself. And the fact that, you know, we celebrate the few that do are kind of like self-made people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I remember uh, 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 Gandolfini being one of those guys. Nice. Uh, but like you, you, there's just so few and far between because the rule is if you look at hot new actor, artist, whatever, 
you always look, you follow the money. It's like, oh, well, of course. they. Oh, got that your dad was Billy Ray Cyrus. Now I see. Right. Ah, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's not even that blatant, but it's like, you know, yeah. well-regarded real estate agent in Chicago and mother was a biochemistry uh, with several patents. It doesn't always have to be Billy Ray fucking Cyrus or, you know, <laughs> something like uh, the Coppola, you know, Sophia. Right. Coppola. It doesn't have to always be that naked and nepotism, but it's always... There's always a little connections and money to, to lubricate a career. And I don't want to say hurt. Paul Giamatti doesn't deserve all the success he's no, had because you he's have a hard fantastic actor. I, I think he's great, but yeah. also he was helped along. Yeah, you, you can't you can't get anywhere without hard work and talent for very sure. long. Um, but like, yeah, uh, but the, the, luck. The, it's, it's not just luck. It's not just the luck of the draw with a lot of these people. Sure. They make their own luck. Even though we love you, Mr. Paul Giamatti. Love you enough to feature into a, a, a probably misguided Christmas special. <laughs> eh, who's to say? Who's to that's say? That's it. Till the sequel. I love this maybe, movie, Maybe we'll man. cast him in a sequel. Uh, yeah, it's a great one. Well, that's it for this week's prestige film. Uh, we've got another one coming out. Uh, Stand By Me. Uh, this is uh, you know, River Phoenix and Wesley Crusher. And uh, it's, a, it's based on a, a, a Stephen King short story. Uh we have heard, I mean, this is a, a legendary film that neither one of us have seen, right? Will this seminal coming of age film still hold up 30 plus years after? Uh, we'll find out. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll be out next week because we might have a commission that, that can, uh, it, but it'll be amongst the next prestige movies to, to be coming out. Uh, thank you for uh, listening to this podcast. Hope you enjoy Sideways. Get a chance to watch it again because it's a fantastic film. And yeah, bone up on uh, Stand By Me if you want to get on the next one. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.